This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. What we're going to talk about today is um, some some advice for the college grads um, themselves. And then if you're listening to this as parents or grandparents, what you might be suggesting to these um, people going out into the world and starting in their brand new chapter of their life. So um, let me just kind of start out by saying, here's the top three things that I think college grad needs to know. Okay. Number one, you need to establish an emergency fund. Number two, you need to know your budget and how your money is working. And number three, you're going to need to learn how to build your credit. Okay. Okay? So we're going to talk about all three of those things today. All right. So let's start. You mentioned the emergency funds. How do you determine what's enough? What is great for one child isn't great for another scenario, but a new college grad or someone just new to the workplace, Mm -hmm. uh, high school grad. All right. So when you are um, established later in life, it's prudent to have at least three months worth of your income. Mm-hmm. But if you're a college grad, you might not have income yet that's steady, or you might not um, be used to having an income. So saving three months worth of your income is your goal. Okay. But at the very least, what you want to be able to get started with as a college grad is having enough cash on hand to pay next month's rent and to be able to fix your car if it breaks down. <laughs> okay. So whatever that number is, is your basic starting point. Sure. So maybe that's $1,000. Maybe that's $1,500. I don't know. It depends on the kid. But the basic idea here is to try to cover those two needs. Because those are your biggest issues is what happens if you lose the job that you have? How do you not lose your home mm-hmm. and have to move back into your parents' basement, right? Uh-huh. And if your car <laughs> is going to break down, then how do you make sure you can fix your car? So that's why I'm saying about 1000 to $1,500 okay. is a good place to start for a college grad with an emergency right. money. We always use the expression, and there's, of course, no such thing as an original idea, but I heard this from a former employer don't make your own bad luck. <laughs> and that emergency fund is a great case in point about yep. don't create your own bad luck. Well, and if you have that, you probably won't need to use it. Right. But if you don't yep. have it, the first thing that's going to happen is that car is going to break down and you're going to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. The next thing then is to know your budget. And I will be the first one to say that nobody likes budgets. Nobody likes the word budget. Nobody likes to (laughs) live within a budget. Budgets kind of suck. But the thing about um, being a new college grad and striking out on your own is you have to learn how your cash flow works. So once you get a job and you know how much money is coming in, you have to marry that up with how much money is going out. So establishing a basic budget for yourself is really important in the early stages of setting out for yourself. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially as you're adding things onto the docket that you want or. Yes. You know. Yes, absolutely. And one of the things that you have to be aware of that you're going to add to the docket is repaying your student loans at some time. (laughs) Six months. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah, six months after you graduate, the loan man is going to come a calling. Mm -hmm. And um, so here's the thing. Um, We're going to spend some time on student loans, okay? Okay. Because student loans are going to be a big piece of your budget and repaying them is... um, 
going to be really important on a number of reasons. We talked a little bit earlier about you need to be able to build your credit and repaying your student loans in a timely manner is going to go a long way to helping you actually build that positive credit. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I don't know, Amy, do you know people who have lots of student loans even later in life? I do. In fact, <clears throat> this was a subject that came up one night when we were out with friends and they were commenting how their a couple of their children who are in their mid late twenties have student debt, but so does the dad. <laughs> he is still paying off some student debt, and you know we we talk about um, with people who are raising children and also helping their parents, and this puts a whole nother yeah, component. The other way yes, it. it's like a loan sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> When the parent has student debt, and so does the recent college yes, grad, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and the thing about it is that's not that unusual. I oh, see people having their student sure. debt extend into their 40s and 50s on their payback schedule, which really is kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, and right now, according to the Huffington Post, the average student debt when you're done with college is about $29,000. Now, that is low in my opinion, for what I'm seeing, but that's what the national average is right now. And the only place, the only state in this country that is sending students out with less than $20,000 in debt on average is New Mexico. Really? So I don't know what or why, huh. you know, that's happening or an anomaly in that state. But I guess if you if you want a, a low level of student <laughs> debt, maybe look at college in New Mexico. <laughs> but... $30,000 worth of debt, um, you know, I've seen fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars $80,000 worth of debt. If you're someone who's gone on to an advanced type of schooling, like sure. medical, pharmacy, mm-hmm. um, you know, right. physical therapy, all kinds of different um, advanced Masters. degrees, yeah. mm-hmm. then your debt load is going to be significantly higher than that, right? Mm-hmm. So when we go back to that budget and say, here's what your income is going to be from this job, you have to figure in here that there's going to be a significant amount of money being paid back on these student loans. Okay. Okay. So um, I like to say this because I think that that everybody can relate to this. Feeling like you're buried in student loans Mm -hmm. kind of feels like trying to go up the down escalator. (laughs) I've tried that. Most of us probably have that one time in our life, and it is. So here's here's a couple of things about student loans that I want you to understand. Number one, around six months after the time that you graduate, those student loans are going to start to need to be repaid. Now, a lot of student loans are going to have come through actual federal student loan programs, and so they have some provisions on them. Okay, And so one of the things that sometimes happens is that maybe you're not establishing a job when it's time to pay those student loans and you need to have a little more time before you start paying them back. Okay, Okay? So there's a couple different things that you can do to delay payments on them. One of them is called deferment and one of them is called forbearance. And people don't really understand the differences between those two. So let me tell you what that is. So deferment is a reprieve from paying your loan based on a specific condition that prevents you from repaying it, like being unemployed or being disabled or having a stint in the Peace Corps or something like that. So deferment allows you just to defer further for a specific life event actually paying them back. Essentially no penalties on that deferment? It's not where you have penalties, but you do have interest okay. building. All right. I so guess that's what I should. 
I kind of consider interest to be a penalty. It is a penalty. (laughs) It's going to just add and add and add. But that's what a deferment is. A forbearance is something different. A forbearance is reducing or stopping your payments for a set period of time. Okay. And so it's not about the life event as much as it is about being able to just say, okay, I'm going to be able to do ladies for a year. Here's why I'm doing that. I can't afford to pay them. And I, I get a year before I have to start picking this up and paying it again. Mm-hmm. Now, interest does um, accrue on this also. So every time you defer or you get a forbearance, it's not just like a pardon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's just a delay, but right. the forbearance has a different set of rules than the deferment actually. But you does. are asking permission either way, rather you than begging forgiveness. You do have to get permission either way. You yeah. want to get advance permission from the lender yeah. to go into deferment or go into forbearance. If you don't, then it's going to be considered default, oh, <laughs> and yeah. you don't want to default on your seri- your student loans because then it's going to have. Wage garnishment can happen. Lawsuits can happen. They can intercept your tax refunds. And it's going to be a big black mark on your credit. So you really want to try to avoid um, the student loans. Now, we have a great giveaway today, and it's a student loan booklet that we've put together. So if you want to give us a call at 605-217-3555 and um, get a copy of this student loan booklet emailed to you, we'd be happy to send that to you. It's kind of everything you need to know about what to do with these student loans once you have graduated from college. Right. So whether you are a recent college grad or whether you are 10 years into repaying these student loans, this might apply to you. So give us a call and we'd be happy to send you that. Or the parent who's looking at that student that's going. I mean, there's a sure. lot to take into account. Yep, that's an, that's another good application Doesn't for help with young 20s to keep reminding them that this has to be paid back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is not a freebie. So I am curious, for a young adult, how do you start building your credit? All right. Is there a, like... There is a formula for this. There absolutely is a formula and different steps that you can take. So the first thing that has to happen when you build your credit is you need to have income. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't really build good credit unless you have income to pay bills with. And so establishing yourself, getting a job is going to be the very first step in building your credit. Okay. Okay. So you need to have income. The second thing that you want to do is you want to request credit from a lender who reports to a credit bureau, okay? There's three main credit bureaus out there, Mm -hmm. and um, different lenders report to different ones. It doesn't really matter which one it reports to as long as it reports to one, okay? Okay. Because when somebody pulls your credit score later, generally they pull it from all three places. Oh, do they really? Yeah, and so um, it's not just from one, and you you can work with just the one, all right? So when you request credit, you can do that in a couple different ways. You can request it with a credit card, or you can request it with a loan that has installment payments, Okay, And if you go to your local bank and you request a loan that you make payments back to, you need to ask that bank if they actually report to the credit bureau. Most credit cards do report to the credit bureau, but a lot of smaller local banks don't report to the credit bureaus. And it's really important that if you're going to take this step that that is happening because that's how you build your credit score. Okay. Okay. 
the ne- the thing I would say is to think small at first. So if you're if you're trying to just actually establish credit, then by thinking small, what I mean by this is go take a thousand dollar loan that has fifty dollar or hundred dollar repayment schedule. Okay, because every time that you make your payment and you make it on time and that's reported to the credit bureau, you are building your credit score up little by little. Okay, so if you're a new college grad and you don't have a lot of money and you've just started with your income, it's not that you can necessarily afford four, five, six hundred dollar payments a month towards a loan. You want to think small. So get your credit established with a small loan where really your intent and purpose is to just build your credit score with it. Okay, Mm -hmm. and the two best ways to um, build the credit is by making payments on an installment loan or by having a credit card that you're making payments on. Now, on your credit card, there's a couple of rules of thumbs with credit cards that I don't think a lot of people know and don't understand how they affect your credit. So first of all, on your credit card, you don't want to actually charge up more than 30% of the available balance that you have. So if your credit card has a $1,000 limit on it, you really don't want to charge more than about $350 on that card at any given point in time. Now, why is that? Well, the the reason behind it is that the credit companies want to see that you are able to manage your cash flow in such a way that you don't need to access 100% of your available credit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So there's an inherent assumption on the credit company's part that if you're not using all your credit available, Mm -hmm. that you're managing your income well. making smart choices. Yes, exactly, (laughs) exactly. So you don't want to charge up more than 30%. You also uh, preferably want to pay that bill off every month. If you pay your bill off in full every month, it actually helps your credit score. But at the very least, you need to make your payments on time. When you miss a payment, it is a black mark on your credit. And and one missed payment can erase months and months and months and months of on-time payments. Okay. <laughs> so don't mess this one up. It's like <laughs> make your grade payments. point average yes, when you're in one school. one bad grade can kind of mess you up for a while. <laughs> yeah. So um, you, you really want to make sure you're doing that. The other thing is, once you're a little further down the, fa- the path with credit building and you've got that initial one established, the ideal amount of credit cards to have is three. If you have three credit cards, and, and I'm not talking store cards, okay? Oh, okay? I'm talking MasterCard, Visa, Discover, or Amex, okay? If you have three credit cards and on three of them, you're not ever charging more than 30% of your balance mm-hmm. and you're paying that off on time, mm-hmm. that is kind of the secret sauce to okay. having a good credit score. Oh, interesting. Okay. So if you can establish that, you're going to go a long way towards actually improving that credit. And why do you need this credit? Why does this matter? Because you might want to buy a car sometime and you're going to need to get a loan. Your loan rate is going to be a better loan rate if you've got good credit. Absolutely. You might want to buy a house sometime. And if you want to buy a house, that's a big loan that somebody's going to make to you. And if your credit score is good and well-established, you have a better chance of getting the loan and getting a good interest rate on that. Okay. So this is really important. Those are also the same kind of things you can do to fix your bad credit. So if you got in a little bit of credit trouble in college, doing some of those same steps is going to help you rebuild the credit score that you have. Okay. Okay. So it's never too late. Oh, no, it's never too late. Never too late at all. So, Amy, you were telling me about a TED Talk that you listened to the other day. And um, it was really kind of geared at 
college grads. Tell me a little bit about what you learned from that TED Talk. It was, Mary. It was essentially saying the title of it, if anyone wants to listen, was called 20... I think 20-something is the new 30. Okay. And the premise that this individual talked about, Meg Jay, was that you start right away. You don't say your your child who's, let's say they've graduated from college, and they say, well, I'm really still, you know, they want to be an adult, but yet in many ways they still want to be a, a, they want to be your child. Sure. And the talk is about, Get right in there. Jump in. Start pretending like you don't have you. You do not have to wait till you're thirty. You should right away be networking. You should be working um, on all of the things that they see their parents doing now. They should be doing at twenty five. There's okay. no reason we wait. We used to have that thing, oh, I'll wait till I get married or I'll wait till um, I buy a house to be an adult. No, start <laughs> right in because Jump you right may in. find that the person down the hall from you in your apartment complex has an uncle who has some connection that could help you with your next job leap. And so really pushing those kids to get out there and, and market themselves and work as if they where they want to be. I think that's a, that's a great thing. And I, I hope yeah. people go listen to that. Um, you know, if, if nothing else, college grads and people who love the college grads, <laughs> if nothing else, if you can help, you know, educate someone about building that emergency fund, knowing your budget, so living within your budget, so you don't get in financial trouble, and then building your credit in in these smart ways. Yes, those are that's like the three pack of of valuable information to really get someone started off on the right foot. Okay. So you mentioned in that um, TED talk about you know networking to find a great job, and like we talked about at the beginning of the credit segment here. Um, Having an income is is really pretty important. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. And you know, when you're younger, and I will say this, because as you know, Mary, for a number of years, I was a headhunter, a recruiter. And when you're younger, you're probably going to job hop a little more as you're trying to find your niche and get into what you mm-hmm. want. And it's all about staying marketed and networking with everyone you know. And especially in a town the size like that Siouxland is or wherever they are, um, a lot of the best jobs are not in the paper. They're no. not on a job board. They are, who do you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's very true. And the the other thing that I think that is important that you just keyed into or is, you know, a job in your early years is a stepping stone, Correct. right? So, you know, to the listening audience out there, the mentality of a college grad now is very different than the mentality of the college grad 20 years so ago. True. It used to be that we would graduate from college, we would pick a career, we may pick a firm, and we would plan to be there for our lifetime, yes. right? They were lifetime jobs. They were 20-year careers before you even thought about something yes. else. Pensions. That is not the way that it is anymore. So um, I recently read something that I think came from the CEO of Twitter that said that they expect that a employee that they hire today will not have a tenure with them that's longer than three years. Wow. So three years and then they're going to move on. In fact, 
if somebody has been with them for longer than three years, they begin to consider it a potential problem. Sure. Because why isn't this person growing, changing, adapting, yes. moving? You know, what's wrong with them yes. that they're still in the same job? <laughs> because you're going to get a bigger salary hike when you jump companies than your annual raise. Well, probably so. Yeah. Um, so if we if we look at that and understand that that's the mentality, we have to make sure that we as an older generation are understanding that the college grads today are not looking for jobs that are necessarily long-term lifetime careers. They're looking for the next opportunity that's going to help them grow. And within that opportunity, we have to make sure that you establish these three things. So whatever the job is that you're going to go do, when you investigate the company, you investigate the opportunity, the bottom line is that job needs to give you enough financial footing to do the three things that we talked about, the emergency fund, the budget, and building your credit. So hopefully, college grads, that's been some good, valuable information for you. Give us a call to get this student loan booklet. We'll be happy to email that to you. Or you can go to our website at sterkfinancialservices.com to get a copy of that or to request a copy, I should say. Or call us at 605-217-3555 and uh, we'd be happy to send you that information and hopefully help you begin the next chapter of your life on a solid footing. Call us at 605-217-3555 for your copy of the student loan booklet. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sterk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sterk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.